Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Tatiana Sawyer. She is a CPA and founder of Linza Advisors and so much more than an accountant. She is a numbers expert with over 15 years of experience helping entrepreneurs and business owners become the boss of their bottom line. I'm so excited to share this episode with you and we clicked so much on this that in fact she came in and was a guest expert for my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group and answered questions all about the book Profit First. Tatiana is a Profit First professional mastery level, and I can't wait for you to dive in and hear all of her tips. Enjoy. Tatiana, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I hear you're a numbers expert, and many of our listeners, that is their weak point. So I'm hoping to really have some valuable tips from you since you've been doing this for 15 years plus. So welcome, welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. So talk to me about your um, your kind of origin story. How did you get interested in helping other people become the boss of their bottom line? So the origin story kind of came from the experience, you know, over the last 15 years, I've worked with um, small business owners primarily. I started out being in the trenches in terms of the bookkeeping. So I started out as a bookkeeper, then I got into, then I got a degree, then I got into tax and then I've gotten a couple of other certifications and trainings and, and developed skills. But over these years, I've also worked with people and observed, you know, people in different industries and observed their different leadership styles, their different decision-making approaches. And I saw the power that the numbers can actually give people and transform their businesses and their financial lives. So what I've realized was that now that I'm at a point where my tax practice is fairly developed, um, big, and I would say, I want to say, I sort of don't like this word, but it's expensive. I found that the people who need my expertise most are actually the ones who can't afford it. Mm, Because if you, if you start right, if you start by facing your, with sort of by and with facing your numbers early, you can actually save money in the beginning instead of being afraid that you can, you know, that what if it doesn't work? So money sort of fuels your dreams. It, it empowers you. They empower you as a business owner to do better, to be more successful, to make sure that every decision that you make in your business is backed by numbers. Once that happens, every step that you take is very strategic and very deliberate. And that's what I'm striving for. And and I kind of got passionate about it, you know, throughout the years. And, you know, my love for numbers grew throughout the years because I saw what difference they can make. Yeah, that's incredible. And I often see, especially female entrepreneurs, female solopreneurs, 
tend to ignore the numbers. There's almost a a fear about it. And I think it's for a variety of reasons, but I would love your expert take. Why are we so afraid of our numbers and just go with the flow and hope for the best? It seems that, and I agree with you, female entrepreneurs often struggle with numbers most and also creative entrepreneurs. So there are probably many reasons for that. Um, I hear things like, oh, I've never been good at math or, you know, this stuff freaks me out or, you know, my spouse is handling it. Um, and it's kind of a way to, to sort of protect yourself from having to deal with it. But I often like to compare it to teeth and dentist, uh, kind of dental health, <laughs> because, you know, we can't, have our dentist be responsible for our teeth health. Similarly, mm-hmm. we can't have we can't shift that responsibility for our money and numbers to somebody else. It's ultimately um, our responsibility, and our financial health depends on us knowing that, knowing the numbers, and embracing it. And if you take it step by step, you realize it's just numbers. That's kind of the thing that that I've seen uh, female entrepreneurs, especially, struggle with most. And once they get that, after that, it's no longer this, this big, uncomfortable, overwhelming thing. It becomes something that they just make part of their life. Yeah, it's just a fact of life, like you said. I think demystifying it is so crucial. Can you provide a couple of actionable steps for people to really start looking at it from the driver's seat and take control, maybe demystify a few bits and pieces of our metrics? Sure. So, um, I mean, everything I talk about kind of falls into one of the three topics, so money, numbers, and taxes. Um, and I can talk a little bit about each of them and kind of demystify each of each of those things um, a little bit. So I'll start with taxes because that's kind of the bigger one in the, in the yeah. equation. <laughs> um, so taxes, I, I hear two kind of major concerns about taxes. One is I don't want to do something wrong and go to jail. And then another one is that I don't want to, I'm afraid of an audit and um, it freaks me out. It gives me anxiety. So, and I typically like to kind of um, demystify it in a way uh, when I say that in order to go to jail for doing something, you have to do something big and deliberate. Yeah. So we're talking about money laundering. We're talking about evading taxes by transferring money to Switzerland or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it in perspective. Absolutely. Like exactly. It's not that you, you know, charged on Amazon and you had like legal pads plus an eyeliner on there and you're going to go to jail. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. But people don't know. And I think that knowledge is power first and foremost. So when you understand that, you also understand that we don't know what we don't know. And that's kind of the concept that creates that fear in people's minds. Mm -hmm. And what I do recommend is, you know, facing the numbers early and doing some research, just doing some reading, but quality reading. Um, There is an abundance of information out there and it's hard to kind of figure out who's right, who's wrong, but there are, licensed professionals who publish articles, who publish 
things and a side note kind of accountants often we when we publish something we tr- we tend to overwhelm and overcomplicate instead of simplify the concept mm-hmm. so you have to kind of it's 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 a journey when it comes to taxes but you, when you understand the basics what you need to get where you need to be and that in order to do something really bad it, you have to make, do it on purpose you just um, understand that you take a step back and you, all you do is you decide for yourself because uh, you decide for yourself whether you want to be honest, but take every um, legal tax benefit for yourself or you want to take another route. And I've certainly seen, seen both ways. The other thing is that when it comes to taxes, people are afraid of audit and I was, I was, I had an interview um, a couple of um, weeks ago, and there's, there was this one comment that the word audit is demonic, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I feel that a lot of people feel that way. And I wanted, I want to tell uh, people who do feel that way that there's nothing to really be afraid of. If you follow these simple steps that I'm about to share when it comes to audit, but it's not just audit; it's taxes and, and just record keeping in general. You can go through an audit and, and, and it'd be a breeze. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing, actually two of them, is separating your business and personal. That's so probably important. the one. Yep. Like step one, <laughs> do this <laughs> exactly. first. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the step one. So, and um, I, I want to talk a little bit, if we have time, about how to actually do it and what it actually means. So people, if if you're operating your business as an entity, an LLC or a corporation, it's naturally to have a separate business bank account. Mm -hmm. So don't pay your personal rent out of that account. You know, don't pay for your personal stuff because it's going to be really hard for you to prove to an auditor that, you know, that, that this or that expense was actually really business, not personal. Absolutely. if you're operating under your own personal name, then I would typically recommend just opening a separate bank account. And when you need money for yourself, transfer from the business to the personal and you're done. And it's a much easier process at the end of the year when you're actually filing taxes. And it's also a much easier process when you go through it um, every month. You can actually see how much you're spending. So you're kind of killing three birds three birds with one stone as opposed to two birds with one stone. Well, it's setting Um, yourself up for success right from the very beginning. And I think that's so important because it creates a habit it no longer is this monster in the closet that you're afraid of, that you're procrastinating on, and it just becomes a regular part of you, your routine. Do you recommend that people have specific days in their calendar that they take time with their bookkeeping? Do you recommend that they outsource? And if so, when? And my other question is, um, what do you think is the best way to organize receipts? Because especially nowadays, the receipts are on like such flimsy paper. I'm like, these aren't going to hold up in like three weeks, let alone three years. Like they're going to be all smudged off. So yeah, I'm firing at you some questions as they're flowing through my brain. Yeah, sure. So I actually was going to cover receipts as a second strategy. So the first one was separating business and personal and second would be dealing with receipts. And with receipts, you kind of have two or three options. And I typically... Um, explain them to people so that it's 
it's easy to manage. It really isn't that hard to manage and you don't need to organize them right away. And here's what I mean. So option number one is if you have a financial software like the QuickBooks Online, you can actually attach every receipt, a picture of it or you know, a scan of it, whatever is uh, easier and more simple for you to the actual transactions. Um, now, if you have a, whether you have a QuickBooks online or another software, or you do your bookkeeping in Excel, you can always take pictures of all of your receipts, keep invoices from lawyers, from accountants, whatever it is, and dump all of them in a folder for each year. So we always operate on a calendar year because we report on a calendar year with a few exceptions. But um, let's say you create a folder for receipts and then each year would have its own folder and you would just dump all the receipts in there. There's no need to organize it right away because the audit risk, the audit rate is so low. You will spend all this time organizing and you'll never get audited for, for that year, for example. <laughs> so what makes sense is to just dump them in every year's folder. And then if you do get audited for that year, you go in and you organize. It takes you an hour. Yeah. Um, that's great. And, yeah. So, and you don't spend time kind of don't waste time organizing every single year, every single receipt. There's no need for that. I do recommend keeping and downloading bank and credit card statements because sometimes banks promise, um, you know, seven years of, of statements, but sometimes you can't get past 24 months. Mm -hmm. So that's probably another, um, another tip on the receipts. And if you're keeping paper receipts, a similar approach, get a folder for every year, put all of your receipts in that folder for, for each year. And then if you need to, you can go back and organize it. Sure. Um, that's cer great. Certain, certainly keep receipts for the cash uh, purchases. And that's about it. Now, in terms of dealing with um, the record keeping and bookkeeping regularly, I think the most important advice that I can give our listeners and viewers is do it regularly. Find a groove that works for you. I'll give you an example. As I was writing my book, um, I was in this workshop where the editor had 6 a.m. writing sprints. So we would wake up, you know, I wake up at 5.55 every morning, weekdays, um, and we would write from 6 to 7. And I'm done for the day. So I wrote my book in three months just attending the writing sprints. That's amazing. That, that routine was life-changing. And Similarly, for bookkeeping, if you're doing it on your own, and a lot of people who are just starting out or are early into the business are doing it on your own, and that's totally fine. I'll give you some milestones in terms of the transactions when you should get help in a minute. But when you're doing it on your own, do it weekly or do it monthly, but set a routine and don't miss it. It's important because honestly, it can cost you a deduction if you don't do it regularly and you can miss an expense. You can forget. I mean, we remember something that happened yesterday, but we're not going to remember something that happened 12 months ago. Absolutely. And from an energetic standpoint, I think when people put off a task and they procrastinate it, it's still renting space in their brain. Yeah. They're still energetically leaking out or feeling guilty. I should get to this. Oh, I meant to do that. Oh, it's the end of the month and I didn't reconcile. And all of that starts chipping away at our chi and at our energy. So I think that habit creation is so very crucial. And then it's just a fact. You mark it on the calendar, you stick to it, and it's just like, oh, great, got that done. And most often than not, you're done in like a half an hour. It's like, 
I thought about that longer than it took me to actually do it. <laughs> That's right. And it's a really a simple mindset sh- uh, shift in a sense that, you know, I used to look at, and I've been in this camp before for many years, and a lot of accountants are in that camp. We looked, I looked, and we look at a tax return as evil because it's, you know, taxes is something that people hate paying. They hate dealing with it. They hate doing that, thinking about it, paying someone to do it. Instead, I look at a tax return as an opportunity to save you money, to put more money back in your pockets. And when you think about it, proper bookkeeping or record keeping actually saves you money because you get excited about, oh, you know, I purchased that computer. I'm going to get a deduction for that. I'm going to pay less taxes. That's kind of the, the mindset shift that I'm, um, that I'm promoting and encouraging awesome. people to adopt. It is a shift in perspective and it, it really can change everything. And instead of fearing it as like the big bad wolf, you are the owner. And I love that you talk about being the boss of our bottom line. Like, I really think we all need a bumper sticker for that, you know, because it's so good. It's so good. Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? A place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked, and be around people that just get you. Well, there is my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe. Women who are on the solopreneur journey just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters, and having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance and request to join my private Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group the gathering place for heart-centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious lightworkers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance. I'll catch you there. What do you think your biggest learning lesson in writing your book, Dream Bold, Start Smart, was for you, either personally or professionally? I'm always so interested because it's a massive dedication and it's a bearing your soul. You're putting all your golden nuggets into one hardcover for the world to see. I'd love to know what you learned from it. It was a phenomenal experience, to be honest with you. I initially wanted to write a book and this was about two years ago. And I actually, I wanted to write a book in, you know, in the last five years, but up until June of last year, I wanted to write a book that would just be a business card book. You know, I'm an author, I'm an expert, whatever. Um, and then, then I attended this event by Mike Michalowicz, uh, the author of Profit First. Yeah. <laughs> for authors. And uh, at the event, I realized that I've got so much more to share. I have all these client stories and case studies and things that I've noticed that I've, that I've helped people overcome over the years that I decided to 
write a book that will actually change people's lives because I know that, yes, with my clients, I'm making an impact in their lives, but I wanted to help people who are just dreaming about starting a business and don't see a way out, don't see how they can tackle this financial aspect, how to help them overcome that fear and make my expertise available so that they know exactly what to do. They know exactly where to go. So when I realized that it was mind blowing and I was so motivated to get it out because anyone I would talk to about this book would say, Oh my God, I wish I had your book when I started out. Hmm. So I found that beautiful feedback. I love that. And here's a cool thing. I totally am a believer of serendipity and I, I have the best podcast guests, honest to God, the very next thing on my pad to ask you is profit first. So it's like, <laughs> as soon as you said profit first, I was like, okay, I'm not actually surprised how in alignment we are. And um, interestingly enough, I am, I am facilitating a book discussion in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. We're reading Mike's book, Profit First, this month. And every Monday, we're going through and having these deep dive discussions. So this is such an appropriate podcast because so many of the members are um, struggling with the metrics. And even with the whole philosophy of flipping the paradigm of sales minus expense equals profit and flipping it to sales minus profit equals expense. In fact, I have one of the members in there now that said, I've read this book several times. I still haven't done it. I still haven't even opened up the first profit account. I don't know what's blocking me. So I'd love it if you could talk to the emotional reason behind understanding the logical linear saying, yep, that makes sense. Want to do it. Want to be the boss of my bottom line, but something is holding me back. What do you think that emotional something is? With profit first, I think that something is maybe the overwhelm of the number of accounts. Yeah. That's something that I've seen people feel. And to be honest with you, I often adapt profit first to the client. And I often say, well, don't open all of them at once. Start with the first two, your taxes and your profit. Those are the two most important things that you need to get taken care of. So start slow. You don't need to open all five accounts at once. Someone reads a book and I was in this camp. I actually, interestingly, did profit first for a client for three years, seen his transformation and then read the book. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's cool. And was there a transformation after three years? So his story is actually pretty cool. And I, and I tell everyone um, who come, like every client who comes in for profit first, uh, I typically tell the story because it's actually a phenomenal one. He had about a million dollars in debt um, accumulated due to some, you know, economic downturn and, and, and misfortunes and maybe some decisions that were not necessarily great. Um, not his fault, just happened that way. You know, the collection wasn't good or whatever. So he had about a million bucks and every year he would be borrowing and at the same time because he would have to prepay for the next collection, pay for, the, for, the, for this collection and so on. And after a year of just doing the profit and tax distributions, he actually stopped borrowing in September. In three years, he was down to $500,000. That's incredible. He, and he's an incredible um, 
his story is an incredible one. His business is a phenomenal business. He's a poetry major. He's far from numbers. He's far from math. Hmm. But he just realized that he can't build his business without knowing it. I mean, it took him a, a couple of years to, to get to that conclusion, but he's he's gotten there and his profit for a story is phenomenal. He started with just two accounts. So that's awesome to know that's simplifying it as well. Like make it work for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I often see people, you know, take profit first. They're like, yes, I'm ready to do it. And I was in that camp. I was like, I read it. It makes sense. I'm going to join profit first professionals. Um, and a lot of people, the clients that I work with, sometimes, you know, they start, they're ready to do it, but then they start borrowing from these accounts instead of changing their habits and instead of changing their kind of approach to their expenses. This guy actually approached landlords and said, listen, just made a reasonable argument. Listen, I can't, there are other spaces next to me that are empty. Give me a reduction so that I can take my business um, to a better level, cash level, and we'll, we can go back to the normal rent. And they worked with him. I mean, this was six or seven years ago. Um, so there's, there's no debt any, anymore in the company. And, and I mean, it's, he's just a much better, much healthier company, despite the economy. I mean, it's, it's a clothing business. It's one mm. of those who got kind of hit hard um, also. So it's, it's all about the little step take the first step, open the first two accounts and start with 1%. That's it. It's very yeah, simple. <laughs> I like that a lot. It just, it breaks it down. And I don't know about you, but I think um, since COVID, it has really, it has really put a spin in a tumble. 2020 has looked extremely different. And I think one of the things that I've noticed is people need things simplified even more. To your point in the very beginning about accountants making things very complex and having a difficult time distilling it, I find that is in all industries. And the higher you are as the expert, the more challenging it becomes to go all the way back, meet your client where they are. And I always like to call it baby bird feeding the information, right? Like we digest it first and then we baby bird feed it to the point that they can take it. And then it becomes a layered system. If we try to take too big of a bite or deliver too big of a bite, they're going to choke. We're going to lose them. And I think that that's a real testament to a skilled expert is when they can understand, here's the big pie. Let me just give them a slice. They can still enjoy it and they're going to come back for more. So I really like that you've been able to break that down and just say, hey, this is a great system, but really simplify it. Save for tax and put 1% in a profit account and you will see differences. Then when you're ready, which could be one, two, three years or never, you can build on like as it's going to serve your specific business. Love it. Um, What do you think is a reason why solopreneurs tend to fall in that cash poor kind of dip? Um, my experience has been that entrepreneurs often see the potential, see the dream, but they forget to run the numbers timely. And they think that, okay, you know what, with my next project, with my next big check, everything is going to be awesome. I'm going to get Magically fine. <laughs> It's all going to be perfect with the next big check. That's right. And that's, that's what I see. There's also this trap of, 
and I had a client who, who kind of fell into this trap thinking that focusing on the gross income instead of your bottom line mm-hmm. and think, and not creating a budget for, let's say an ad spend. I've had a client who is a very talented marketer and they've created a product that was a phenomenal product. It was a watch company and Hmm. they were dumping money into advertising like there was no tomorrow. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, I'm laughing, but it's really sad because I've told them get a budget, do a return on ad spend. They should have closed three years ago. They're still in business. They're still running negative for five years. They've exhausted all of their personal savings and, um, there is no control over spending and that's what the trap usually is. And that's what I've seen people struggle with most thinking that, you know, Oh, we're, you know, we have a million dollars in sales. Great. But are you making a profit? Yeah. It's a simple question, but um, it's actually very telling. It's very, very telling. And I think that you can get caught up in marketing hype where there are a lot of experts pushing the seven figure business, or you might be on YouTube seeing, I started three months ago and I've hit eight figures. I just saw that ad. And I'm like, really, <laughs> you know, really? But, um, I think that you can chase a number and be very ignorant to actually not only what it's doing to your true net bottom line, but also your health. What is it taking a toll on your health to actually get that number. So it's again, perspective, it's mindset, it's tapping into your personal why and desires and not comparing to other people, like not using the end gross metric as a measurement of your true success. Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell people like, would you rather have a $5 million in gross sales and $200,000 in net, or would you rather have $600,000 in gross and $200,000 in net? I would prefer the latter because it's so much less work. So much less stress. I know for myself personally, I've been in business 29 years. And for 17 of those years, I had a confection company and we hit seven plus figures on an annual basis. And I had adrenal fatigue and burnout. I had up to 26 employees. There was so much more stress. I had an 8,000 square foot manufacturing facility to manage and pay rent on. And in my little teeny office of one, I'm actually netting more on a profit basis than I am with that huge endeavor. However, from a perspective, the success was when you could say, I'm a seven plus figure entrepreneur. So (laughs) you just have to stay grounded in your own heart and be like, you know what? I'm doing me. I created this thing to have financial freedom, but what does that mean to me? And and I also think the health aspect is so important. And that's why I'm a, a massive advocate for business without burnout and really cultivating it in a way that's going to work for you. This has been such a fun conversation. I'm really excited for your book. I'll make sure to put the links. Can people pre-order now? Um, they can get on the early um, early bird list. Um, it's not available for pre-order yet because, as you may know, publishing is a long process. So hopefully soon. Uh, nice. But people who are on the early bird, they'll get special bonuses and, and perks and stuff. So absolutely, there's a list for that. 
Cool. I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes. And how else can people step into your world and get to know you and your products and services more? So I have, I've just recently created this um, guide to be the boss of your bottom line, where I cover a lot of the, some basic things that, that entrepreneurs should know, whether they're just starting out or already in business. And it's available on my website, talktotatiana.com. Cool. Um, And they can just sign up and download it. That is amazing. I know that this episode is going to be so valuable for the listeners because our target audience for women developing brilliance are ambitious female solopreneurs, but they also tend to lean on the creative side or the healing aspect. So this other side of having a great foundation, being the boss of your bottom line and knowing your metrics without fear is something that's going to be a tremendous value for them. So for that, thank you so very much for sharing, for sharing your tips. And if you were going to leave one closing remark with some bright light wisdom, what would it be, Tatiana? I often say that when it comes to numbers, the secret is don't fake it till you make it. Face it and face it early. Ah, love it. That's a perfect soundbite. What a great way to close. Thank you so very much. Sure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.